Well, hey, hey, what's up, everyone? Welcome back to another episode of the Amazing Seller Podcast. This is episode number 131. And today, what we're going to be talking about is a really, really cool topic here that I haven't talked about much because I don't really have a lot of experience in it, but I know a lot of you want to know how and when to use C shipping. Like when is the right time and what is the process? What does it look like? So I have a guest on today, Derek Miller, who's actually done this numerous times and he's going to share exactly how it works. And he's also going to share some of the failures that he faced and some of the lessons he learned, so hopefully you can avoid them. So really excited to share this interview that I did with Derek. I learned a ton, and I think you will as well. Now, before we jump into that, I wanted to give you guys a little bit of a reminder. As some of you know, I do a free live workshop where I teach exactly what I've done to launch a product from start to finish, the five phases in a free workshop that I do. Now, some of you have attended, some of you haven't, some of you have been meaning to attend. The reason why I'm bringing this up is because I'm only going to be doing a couple couple more in 2015, okay? If you're listening to this after 2015 and 2016, then yeah, you can go ahead and sign up for the upcoming one. We have a couple more that we're going to be doing in December, so if you're interested in joining me on one of these live free workshops, head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. Again, that's theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. Sign up over there, register, secure your seat, and then from there, we'll jump on live together. And I usually get on a little bit early. I welcome everyone in, and then we go ahead and we jump right into the five phases, and I teach you through this workshop. It's really a workshop. It's where we we actually get stuff done. I give you stuff that you can actually walk away with and take action on. So I would really urge you to sign up if you haven't done so already, or if you have and you want to come back, you're more than welcome. So what do you say? Let's go ahead and listen to the interview all about how and when to use C shipping with Derek Miller. Well, hey, Derek, thank you so much for hanging out with me today. What's going on, my friend? Not too much. Really a pleasure to be on the show. Really excited. Awesome. I, I kind of want to go back a little bit. You and I kind of talked a little bit before we started here. Tell me a little bit or tell the listeners a little bit of how you how you and I are talking right now, actually. I mean, how did how did you get started in this FBA business? Take us back then, and then we'll kind of bring people into uh, what we're going to be talking about today, which is really the, the big monster that a lot of people think of as the sea shipping and all of that stuff, which is still is a little bit of a monster to me, I got to be honest with you. Uh, but let t- take us back to kind of how you got started in this thing and then kind of how you got introduced to me and kind of lead people through. Sure, absolutely. So I had graduated college in summer 2014, um, and I sort of took the summer off just to sort of enjoy, live on the beach. Um, didn't have the full-time gig lined up yet. So decided just to look for some side cash and uh, sort of ran into FBA. And from there, started really small with just a 100-unit order. Um, sort of worked up the guts to press the send button on PayPal to send $1,000 to China. Yeah, yeah. And um, so the units came, got them into FBA, and that's sort of where the journey started. Um, okay. And then sort of over the next couple months, I had done a little bit of PPC on Amazon myself, tried a little bit of social media marketing, had a little bit of success, but not too much. Um, really, when things started taking off is when The Amazing Seller came out. Um, when you released your episode on your PPC strategies and sort of the launch process, Mm -hmm. um, at that time, that's when the business really started taking off, um, like exponentially. So from there, uh, we've really just been redoing the same exact process over and over with more and more products. That's awesome. Okay. So 
okay. Yeah. And agree. I'm really, it's really awesome that you're, you know, you get out of college and then you're, you're living the beach life, which, you know, we all want to live <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> at least when we're your age, we did too. I mean, come on. Absolutely. Right? So, Absolutely. you know, and, and, uh, you know, so you, you get through college and then, you know, you start thinking you're going to dabble in this. Okay. So you, you get introduced to this, you start hearing about it. Give us just a quick glimpse as far as like product research. Cause I know a lot of people always want to know like everyone's product research. Like what was the thing that kind of got you thinking along the lines of what products you thought that you could possibly source? Um, yeah. So back in the day, this is before the times of jungle scout or any of the sure. tools we have now. Um, so it was really, um, it was using Terapeak actually back in the okay. day, which is, I know Terapeak. Um, yeah. Yeah. More of an eBay tool. eBay tool um, right. Yeah. So I had done eBay back in the day with some retail arbitrage during my high school time and college days. Um, so I used Terapeak to sort of look at some of these big time guys on eBay, like who are really sourcing a ton of products from China and just seeing like, what's the best sell through ratio? Like what, if there's 10 listings put up, which products are eight of those 10 listings selling for? Mm-hmm. Um, and then sort of multiplied that by volume to okay. sort of arrive at a short list of products. Okay. Okay. So, and that's interesting because I've, I mean, I dabbled in eBay myself years ago and, uh, you know, Terapeak, I did use that from time to time, see the ones that have sold and kind of like, you know, you're getting a little bit of data there, which is really, really cool. Um, yeah. now, okay. So moving forward though. So now let's just fast forward a little bit. What's your, what's your process look like now? I mean, I know now probably you have a product line or, you know, products that you want to go, you know, further, you know, down that line, but what do right. you, what do you use now? I mean, obviously jungle scout, I think you mentioned, um, is that your, your tool of choice? Yeah, Jungle Scout's tool of choice just for everyday browsing. I also use their new recently, uh, I don't know if it's full release or still beta, but their web tool. Yeah, their um, web app. It, it is It is fully released now, and that was in beta, and now it is fully released. And uh, yeah, if anybody wants to check that stuff out, I did an episode with Greg Mercer, uh, episode 56. I interviewed him, goes through his whole process, and there's a video that he made going through his research, and then uh, there's a link there. You can go check out the web app and the actual extension, and that's at uh, the amazingseller.com forward slash 56. Great episode, by the way. He's an awesome guy. Awesome guy. But yeah, so you use Jungle Scout and basically just typical browsing now? Yeah, typical browsing. Um, really, it just now, I just recently got back from the Canton Fair as well. Okay. Um, so I sort of pair Jungle Scout with the Canton Fair and then sort of um, also work with already existing suppliers because like once you get once the volume's been moving they'll even like research new manufacturing processes to expand the product line cool, um, cool. which is pretty cool now are you going down the, the are you basically building out one brand at, currently um i do have multiple brands but one is sort of the 80 20 uh okay. one brand is carrying the 80 percent right now and is that the one that you started with it is yes okay okay so you, the one you started with is pretty much doing doing the heavy lifting right now Right. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, okay. And I think the other thing that we want to mention here too is, is that, you know, you did go down the route of oversize, right? A little bit in the beginning Um, or was that for a little bit further down the line? It was a little further down the line at the beginning. Uh, we were doing air freight. Okay. Um, and the units were this normal size. It just got to the point where the volume of these normal size units was so large that the sea shipping started to make sense. Okay. I got you. So you, you could reduce your cost by a lot by going you know, by C. And so you figured you guys would start looking into that. Exactly. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cause I know you, you showed a, a screenshot 
of uh, the back of a of one of those containers and it was packed. So oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So you're you're definitely uh, you're definitely doing this. So that's what we're going to dig into today is really that whole thing. And I know that you said you had a story too that was not so good, and uh, we're going to share that experience as well because I think that's important. Um, is that kind of where you think you want to start with this? Yeah, ex- uh, that sounds great. Okay, cool. Let's let's dive into that because I mean, we always want to hear what kind of went wrong so we can avoid that. And maybe you can take us through that and then maybe take us through, I know you kind of put together a little checklist as far as what needs to happen to do it, you know, at least to eliminate or, you know, minimize the amount of mistakes. Yeah, exactly. And then I've also got just sort of a short list of lessons learned, like okay, general cool. advice. Awesome. Okay, so take us through the story. Sure. So my first container, it sort of got to the point where we were moving so many units, the air, the air freight started being really expensive. It was like paying UPS 10 grand, um, which just seemed like too much. Mm -hmm. So I, my suppliers had always mentioned C, they said they had other clients in the United States using C to come here. Um, So in the early days, I sort of checked it out and was sort of scared away because there was so much paperwork and the customs and like, I'm just wondering how the heck do I get these goods out of a seaport? Like, (laughs) you know, it's quite a, uh, quite a monster looking at it from the outside. Um, so I found a forwarder through a friend, um, and worked with them to sort of generate some quotes to see what the different carriers would run. Um, was really amazed by how cheap it was. Like an entire container was in the ballpark of like two or three grand, um, which obviously like the seven grand savings was enough. I was like, okay, let's do this. Mm -hmm, You know, mm -hmm. seven grand. I don't care if it takes 20 hours, all of the nights of my week to do, let's try it. Um, So we went ahead and moved forward with it. We had our supplier produce the biggest order we had yet made. Wow. Um, Okay. I was shaking in my shoes, sending, wiring that money over to China. I bet you were. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because there's not too much recourse. And, and how, um, how many units is that for you, approximately? Um, the number of units. I want to say... Boxes, so I guess you could say. I mean, I, because you're filling a whole container. Yeah. So nowadays, I'll fit 6,000 units in, okay. floor loading. Okay. Um, back at this time, I was palletizing China side. Okay. Um, which reduced the space. And I'll dig into that deeper okay. Um, when okay. I go into the process. Cool. Um, but yeah, so our first container, we palletized China side with our supplier. Had our supplier do the palletizing, um, carton labeling, pallet labeling, and loading them into the container. Okay. Um, so basically, they loaded these pallets, first of all, way beyond the FBA standards. Okay. Um, so the height of them was was like at least a foot or two beyond what FBA requires. So that was the first wrong. Um, so they put them in the container also with the cartons off of the pallet. So the, if you can imagine the corner of the carton was actually off the pallet. Also oh, it was kind of hanging over, hanging over. Exactly. Oh, so okay. Okay. That overhang caused the cartons to compact down and crush because it didn't have that su- that support mm. um, at the base. Oh boy. So that was issue number two. Okay. Um, issue number three was that during transit, what happened was what they call a load shift where the, the structural integrity of these pallets just wasn't there because the carton was off the edge. So they all the pallets basically collapsed on each other. Oh, no which was just a nightmare as you can imagine. Oh. 
So, um, okay. Yeah. Luckily our forwarder offered value add services. So they were able to, um, sort of take all these cartons, repalletize. Okay. Um, but if you can imagine the FBA labeling here was completely messed up at this point. Mm. Um, and we already had the shipment in with Amazon. Um, the particular warehouse we were at didn't offer relabeling services. They only did repalletizing. Okay. So we actually just had to ship that baby in as, as is with the labels it had. And luckily, um, we got like eight of the nine pallets in fine. And we actually had to dispose of the ninth pallet because the labeling was just so screwed up on it. No kidding. Wow. So kind of a nightmare, but a lot of, a lot of lessons learned. Okay. Um, we, from that learning, we really sort of developed an internal process that we go by now for all C shipments. Okay. Um, we've moved four or five containers since, um, with no issues. So, um, we sort of, this process was made through many rounds of refining it. I was going to say, you're kind of good at it now. (laughs) Yeah. I I mean, I have no background in freight myself. I'm a software developer by trade. Okay. So this is all sort of, sort of wild west learning as I go kind of thing. Yeah. But that's how you learn. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. Um, now, let me so, ask you, so, I mean, we're going to dive into this, I'm sure, but you're going to kind of talk to us too, as far as like what you need to uh, make, um, you know, how, how you're supposed to label it so it can go into FBA from your seller central account and all that stuff. You're going to go through that, right? Exactly. Okay, yep. cool. Okay. Yep. That'll be part of the process. Okay, cool. Um, I'm wondering, maybe I could go through my lessons learned section before my actual full process. What do you that think? That would probably be great. I think that would be perfect actually, because I think right now we're at that point where we're like, Oh boy, we don't want to make these mistakes. Uh, right. let's, uh, let's kind of clean up the, those mistakes of the lessons learned. And, and, you know, then we can kind of move into, you know, your exact step-by-step kind of process. Sounds great. Um, so the first lesson learned is how drastically sea shipping can reduce your costs, your shipping costs per unit. Mm. If, if you have the volume, Um, it's really once you get to that multi thousand amount of units per maybe two or three months, like if you're needing to order over 3000 units, depending on the size, um, I would say really take a serious, really consider sea shipping seriously. Because Um, are are we also talking to that we need to be able to fill that container fully? Yeah. So you don't need to, um, obviously it will reduce costs more, the more you can fill it, um, you really have to work out the numbers to see what the FBA storage costs are, making sure you're not going to run into that long-term storage fee. Okay. Um, and then if it works out, like if you can sell a container's worth within five months to be safe, I always keep like at least a month buffer. Okay. Um, I would con- very consider it. Um, okay. It's okay. hard to do a one-size-fits-all because it's very dependent on sure. the volume. Sure, yeah. I mean, again, and I want people to understand that, that when you're shipping in that much uh, inventory, uh, you know, you, you definitely want to make sure that you can move it, you know, because like you said, the long-term, uh, storage fees that could then eat into the, the amount that you saved and, and all that stuff. Exactly. Uh, so yeah, so we, you definitely want to know kind of, and it's hard to predict that stuff. I mean, honestly, it I mean, is. you know, and again, and, and here's me thinking out loud, Derek, and in a sense is like, I'm thinking, okay, I ship all that stuff in and things are running really good. Like when I order that stuff, but then all of a sudden something happens. Right. Right. And then all of a sudden I've got all this inventory in in there and I saved a bunch of this money, but now I've got to deal with either getting it out of there or I got to try to really just liquidate it and just reduce the cost or something. So that's my, I guess my little guy on my shoulder saying, Scott, but this is what could go wrong. Um, you know, but 
there's a ton of savings that are involved as well. And if you, if you believe in that product and it's going to continue to sell, I think it's, it's great. Right, right. Exactly. Like anything as small as an algorithm change, like if Amazon decided sure. to change their search, search algorithm, you know, four months after you get this shipment, it could, uh, Absolutely. you know, it's just sort of from a risk management perspective, you got to kind of weigh like the cost savings versus the risk. Sure. Sure. Okay, cool. So that, that's a, that, that's a good one there. All right. So let's, let's go on to the next. Yep. So I would, the second thing I learned is be very weary of using, uh, your forwarders, your, uh, I'm sorry, your suppliers forwarders. Okay. Um, so China based forwarders oftentimes, um, not always like there are great ones. Um, but I have ran into a couple that don't take into consideration, um, your custom costs in once it gets stateside Mm -hmm. or, um, you know, any sort of related cost to taking it out of the port once it reaches the U S um, so it's, it's this really, really low price up front, but it doesn't include a lot of the value add that you would, you will have to end up paying it. You just won't really necessarily see it up front. Yeah. Um, so I would recommend at least for starters, like consider a forwarder based in your own country, whether that's the U S or anywhere else. Gotcha. Okay. Um, what else did I got here? Also, uh, customs clearance. So something when you're sort of vetting forwarders, I would ensure that your forwarder offers customs clearance or has a really close partner that does it. Okay. Um, basically, you're going to need someone to shuffle the, the paperwork once it arrives, and it won't be released from the port until that paperwork is all done and done properly and such. And what kind of what kind of timeline are we looking here for that freight forwarder that's good, let's say? You know, like, I mean, when that, when that kind of, uh, you know, it gets ready to be offloaded or is offloaded like what is the uh, what's the i guess the normal time that it should be um so once it arrives to the port it's really variable so there's the variables are basically how busy is the port right now Mm -hmm. um obviously like q4 it's it's just completely jammed um so times are a little longer um the other thing is the Department of Homeland Security can take your container and require an, a full x-ray inspection. Okay. Um, not all shipments. It's sort of randomly selected, kind of like walking at the airport, getting sure. on a plane. Um, but they can do sort of a high-level x-ray or then a intensive x-ray. Okay. Um, so depending if they do that or if they decide to do the intensive, that could add extra time. Okay. Um, so it's a little unpredictable in that regard, but I would say general, like it's usually out of there within a week, two weeks. Okay. Um, it takes time though. Yeah. I was going to say, and, and about how long are we talking from it, you know, for it to get from China to the port? China to the port is relatively fast. Once it actually leaves the China port, um, it's typically like 15 to 20 days is what I've seen so okay. far. So you got 15 to 20 days there and then possibly a week to two weeks once it hits port. Yep. And then also the trucking from the supplier to the Chinese port. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Um, what else do I got here? Um, other big thing, don't ship the containers straight from China to Amazon. Okay. Um, what I would suggest doing is bringing that container to a, a warehouse. In my instance, um, my forwarder has a partner warehouse who will actually take the goods out of the container, put them on pallets, put the FBA label on the pallets. And then I arranged for Amazon's freight carrier to pick up those pallets from my forwarder's warehouse. Okay. 
um, just sort of gives you a little bit more peace of mind in the example, like my first container nightmare. Mm-hmm. You don't want something like that arriving to FBA because then you're putting your Amazon seller central or vendor central account into, into jeopardy basically. Yeah. So, um, I mean, are they doing any type of inspection of the actual, um, just the shipment or is it, is it the product or do you have a third party inspector that will actually cut open a couple of boxes and see how they are or like, or is that not necessary? Um, I mean, that could be a point to do it at. I personally don't use an inspector up to this point. Okay. Um, but definitely like once, once you get to this volume and from a risk management perspective, again, probably a good idea to consider one. Okay. Um, I would put that China side though, maybe before taking ownership of the goods. Gotcha. Okay. So maybe have a third party inspecting company do that in China before it actually gets, gets out to sea and gets to port. And then, exactly. on, and then once it hits port, then we're really, we're, you're saying we're having that delivered to another company or warehouse that then mm-hmm. is going to package it in a sense, make it ready to be shipped into, into Amazon with the uh, you know appropriate stickers and labels and all that stuff. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. So let me just pause right here real quick. Okay. Cause me, I'm, I'm looking at this, you know, listening to all of this and it sounds like you, you've got it all under control, but it sounds like a lot of moving parts. Yes. Right? So there's a lot it of moving is. parts. Right. And so my question here is, okay, there's going to be fees for some of these other things that we're having done. And I, of course, they're not going to probably be seven grand. But can you give us an idea of what we're what we're looking at for all of these different people touching the product? Yeah. So it's really variable depending on which companies you work with. Um, Personally, my forwarder is really the main point of contact who does the coordination of all these different things. Okay. Um, So. Typically, like number wise for the labeling process, I might get something like forty or fifty dollars a pallet to have it labeled all the cartons. Okay, um, which is really high when you think about it because it's kind of just taking that cardboard box, putting some paper on it, taping it on, yeah. moving on to the next one. Yeah. Um, the beauty of it is I pay them that because I never actually see my goods now. Okay. Um, I live in Florida, and the goods are coming in through port of Los Angeles okay, and all this labeling and such is happening over there in California. Right. Um, so I never see them and I pay the premium basically to not have to deal with the goods or own a warehouse or lease a warehouse or any of that. Okay. So own. they're, they're taking it to one of their warehouses right? Where, where they're going to actually put that label on for 40 or 50 bucks on, on the, the pallet itself. Not, not, not necessarily all of the boxes because that pallets is what's going to get shipped in. Correct. Yeah, well, this will actually include all the boxes too. Okay, forty or fifty dollars. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so they're going to label all the boxes on that pallet that are going to get shipped into Amazon, and then when Amazon gets it, they're going to do basically what you would do if you shipped it in DHL, you know, or U- or UPS, their service, where they get the individual box. It has one hundred and fifty units in it. It's got one label on it, and it says basically this is where this goes. Exactly. Exactly. Okay. okay. So just so I'm clear, so you have the freight forwarder that you hire. That freight forwarder is handling all of that. All the all the the logistics of like, uh, you know, taking the paperwork and getting that all finalized through clearance and all of that stuff through customs, and then actually also then making sure that it gets to the warehouse. Yes, exactly. Well, so the FBA warehouse is actually it goes from the forwarder's warehouse in California, yep. and then in Seller Central, I create a pickup appointment with an Amazon partnered freight carrier. Okay, and you do that. I do that. Okay. Yeah. So that's the next thing that you'll really have to do. The freight forward is going to do everything up to that point. They're going to say, okay, we've got the pallets. They're ready to go. And then you're going to put in that, that work order in a sense, that's going to say, Amazon, come pick it up. 
Exactly. Okay. Exactly. And okay. they offer a really deeply discounted rate similar to what they do with UPS. Okay. So like overall though, so like, I mean, you know what the cost would have been for air and now you know what it is for freight forwarding and, you know, having the it done by sea. What is the overall savings that you're seeing personally right now, like on a, on one order, let's just say? Um, so on one order, if I was doing it by air, I was, I was paying about $3 per unit for shipping. Okay. If I do it by sea, I get down to about a dollar per unit. Okay. Okay. So, so yeah, that's, you know, two bucks a unit. Yeah. So pocket. if it's, if it's 6,000 units, that's yeah. like 12 grand right there. Yeah. So, yep. Yep. um, okay. Yeah. When you get to that scale, I think that definitely makes, it makes it uh, a little bit more attractive. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But I'm, I'm listening to this too. And anyone listening that's brand new, this is kind of why I've always said, go air in the beginning. <laughs> and if when you get to that point, you want to do the freight, you know, and you want to do it by sea, then that might be the time to do it like Derek, like he's doing. Uh, but in the beginning, there could be some things that happen here along the way that could really slow the process down. And then for, for me personally, that's where you get hung up and then you don't keep going forward with this thing. Absolutely. I would, I agree a hundred percent. I would recommend when you're starting your FBA business, if it's not an oversized unit, air is the way to go. Yep. Um, you can really focus on your marketing, your PPC, your copy and everything else. There's just so many other things when you're starting up. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. But I mean, I love this too, because I mean, I'm even at the point now where I'm thinking to myself, man, if I could save an extra two bucks per unit, you know, and you're selling even just a thousand units a month, I mean, that adds up. Right. You know what I mean? That's, that's uh, instant profit. Uh, exactly. So yeah, so it's definitely something to be considering. Um, okay, so let's say we get it now. We've got it in the in the um, ready for Amazon to come pick up. How long does it usually take for them to come get it and then bring it to and get kind of like in stock? Um, so takes typically no longer than two weeks at most. Okay. Um, so during Q4, there's been a huge delay because their carrier is just completely overwhelmed. It seems. I bet. Yeah. Um, we basically like we had a scheduled delivery date and they didn't actually come around to picking it up until like six days later. Wow. Um, wow. so they just basically said they're jammed. They had too many pickups and couldn't fit them all. Wow. Um, so yeah, typically takes about you know, it takes a couple days for them to come pick it up and then takes a couple days in transit on the truck and then takes, you know, to whatever the usual, uh, you know, since it arrived at the FBA warehouse for them to actually put it into stock. Like it's that once it arrives to Amazon and Amazon's eyes, it's basically it, I've had similar lead times to when I've done air freight. So, okay. um, and do just they the break, same. Do they break that up into different locations like they normally do? If you don't tell them one specific location, I know that's 30 cents per, per unit more, uh, typically, but like, do they still break it up like for three different warehouses they're going to ship it to, or do they do that once they get it at their facility? Um, so personally I do play, pay for inventory placement, okay. um, just for sake of convenience. So in my experience, it's been all the same warehouse and okay. they'll distribute it once it's in their, gotcha. you know, in their stock. Yep. Okay. Okay, cool. Um, was there anything else you wanted to add to that, uh, lessons learned, uh, section and then we can move on. Um, I would just say, get comfortable with not ever seeing your goods, um, yeah. really, you know, get comfortable putting it into someone else's hands. Uh, you know, these forwarders typically have decades of experience. And, um, from what I've seen so far, if you have an experienced forwarder and working with experienced carriers, um, they really know what they're doing. And this is just another day in the life for them. So I would say just get comfortable with that. It really lets you, um, scale easier. 
Okay. And then the other question would be too, and maybe you have, or maybe you don't, um, but how would we, how would we find a good freight forwarder? Um, so I found mine on recommendation, uh, of a friend. Okay. Um, I would say really recommendations are best. Um, I've also seen like, there's a lot of local ones here. I live down in Miami, Florida, and okay. there's a lot of, uh, a lot of local Miami forwarders, but they don't really have quite the, I can't, it's really hard to tell if they have the level of experience I'm looking for. Cause a lot of their websites are really outdated. Gotcha. Um, okay. so I would say, you know, not necessarily, don't necessarily limit yourself to a local one, but consider any national one. I mean, if they've got presence on the West coast and the East coast, um, and in China, I mean, that's a pretty good sign right there. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah. What I'm going to do too, I've, um, I've already kind of did this in the past, probably maybe even a month ago. And I put out a post on the TAS Facebook group and I just asked if anyone had good experience with freight forwarders just to kind of include them. And there are a bunch that people put in there that have personally used and some say these are good and some say these are not so good. So what I'll do is I'll leave that in the show notes to this. I'll leave a link to that thread and then people can just kind of go through it and see for themselves who they want to kind of reach out to. Maybe that'll be helpful. Totally. That sounds great. Cool. So let's dive into the step-by-step stuff. Sure. So this is, I put together some notes here, basically just a general outline of the different, of the process I go through when I'm on a ship something via sea. Yeah, that'll be helpful. Yep. So we start with placing the order with our supplier on FOB terms. So free on board, um, meaning we basically take ownership of the goods um, once the ship sets sail. Okay. Um, So I always make sure to get those terms clear. Um, I have the supplier place the UPC labels on the unit's poly bags. Okay. um, And I avoid carton labeling in China, at least for now. Okay. Um, because in transit, I've heard of some people encountering water damage, mm. and I wouldn't want to risk having water affect my FBA labels and then have to relabel the whole entire batch just because a few got wet or something. Okay, okay. Um, so I do that labeling stateside as well. Um, so the next step is upon production completion, I contact my USA-based freight forwarder company, and I let them know like what the volume, the weight... And everything is basically by requesting a packing list from the carrier. Okay. Um, and they'll basically do the following. They'll get in contact with my supplier. They'll coordinate the acceptance of the goods at the Chinese port. Um, they'll make sure that the goods get to the ship in coordination with the Chinese supplier. Um, they will track the shipment going across the ocean. They'll get the goods off the ship stateside. They'll coordinate the customs clearance. Um, they'll also truck the goods from the stateside port to their own warehouse. Oh, okay. And I would typically, I prefer for this to be on the West coast. Um, just because if the ship has to sail through like the Panama canal, for example, you're adding an extra lead time, you're adding an extra cost. Okay. Um, so I typically try to do Los Angeles. Okay. Um, so then they, their partner warehouse carries out the FBA labeling process. Um, and they'll actually unload the entire car, the entire container, take every single cart now, which it's, it's typically loaded from top to bottom. Like that thing is just packed. Wow. wow. Well, yeah, um, I know that picture you showed is, uh, <laughs> it's tight. Yeah, it's, packed it's pretty tight. 
It's a monster. Yeah. Um, so they have their partner warehouse employees take all those cartons out, put them on pallets, um, and I'll give them the pallet specifications from the FDA guidelines, which okay. is all in uh, Seller Central. Um, so they'll do that palletizing. They'll put a plastic wrap around the cartons once they're labeled and on the pallets because FDA requires it. Um, and then they stick the pallet labels on the entire pallet. So on, on the outside of the plastic wrap, you have to have one label on all four sides, okay. um, which is separate from the carton labeling. Gotcha. Um, so that's basically the freight ready point where okay. I can go ahead and make that appointment in Seller Central and say, hey, Amazon, um, my goods are ready at such and such warehouse. Please send its uh, X amount of pallets. Please have your freight carrier uh, come pick them up. And then um, similar to if you're shipping them to FBA through UPS, it'll give me the, uh, the cost right there in Seller Central. I can accept it. And then it generates a bill of lading after they've contacted the carrier, which is will pop up in your Seller Central within 24 hours of you putting that request in there. Okay. Um, and then I forward that bill of lading to the carrier. Um, or I'm sorry, I, I keep interchanging carrier and forwarder and such. Right, right. It's really all the same. It's really the same point of contact. It's just my forwarder. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I forward that bill of lading to him and then he sends it to the partner warehouse. Gotcha. And then they're able to release the goods then. Um, very important to send that bill of lading to the warehouse where your goods are at or else they will not release the goods. Okay. Okay. Um, and then Amazon takes it from there. It's they take it in and put it in inventory within you know a week or so, week or two, and then uh, you know you're off to the next shipment. Then, yeah, I was going to say because you definitely need to plan. You know, right? You, you need to plan here. So, and you know, the other thing that comes into mind is when you're doing that is you know you're making these large orders, these large purchases. So to get the next one kind of going, you're going to have to put another, I don't know what you do, but probably typically 25 or 30% down to get the order going, correct? Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So it's, it really makes the most sense once you're really moving that volume to sort of get in that initial cadence of moving a container here. You practically, I practically have to order the next container basically when the first one arrives. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. When it arrives, that's probably when you're going to make that next order because you know it's going to be production time and then it's going to be travel time. Exactly. You know? exactly. So, I mean, so I mean, from what I'm gathering here, I mean, you're probably talking about a 60-day. Was that is that about right? 45 to 60 days? Yeah, yeah. I would say about 60. Um, yeah. I, I personally use the number 70 days just to be have an extra buffer in there and be sure. extra safe because sure. I, I want to avoid stockouts for you know, search ranking and such. Yep. Um, so I put that extra buffer in there. I assume 70 days um, okay. typically inclusive of production. Right. Right. Now, are these all the same product or are you kind of trying to fill that with a couple different products in that container? Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, so I generally do container by supplier. Okay. Um, so I'll mix products if it's from the same supplier. Gotcha. Um, I haven't really gone down that path yet of combining multiple suppliers' goods into the same container. Mm -hmm. um, one of my suppliers did offer to do that. Um, I just didn't really want to intertwine supplier contacts really at this point because they're always fighting for business. Gotcha. Um, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so. that's a good point. So, but if you have the same supplier that's, you know, maybe you have three products through that supplier, then yes, it's perfectly fine to go ahead and, and put them all into one container. Absolutely. Okay, cool. 
Um, yeah, no, this is uh, this has definitely been uh, really, really good to hear the exact kind of step by step. Uh, there's been a lot of gray area here and there, and I know some people have had really, really bad experience, and some people have had really great experience with it. So, and I think you've had a little bit of both. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, is there anything else though you wanted to point out to anyone that is thinking about doing this? Uh, you know. Be before they actually jump in and and, and take the, the leap into the uh, you know shipping by sea world. Um, yeah, I mean that's that's mostly it. I, I would the only suggestion I might have is if you want to sort of test the waters with a little bit less volume, do a uh, you can do a less than container load, um, which is not going to require the same amount of volume. You can just you know I've done it with as low as thirty cartons. Um, so maybe just to experiment, continue doing your, your air freight process. But in the meantime, put a couple cartons in that LCL shipment, which doesn't require a full container. And they'll, you know, you can carry out pretty much that whole C process with that LCL shipment. Yeah. So basically just explain that a little bit. So then what are you doing? Are you sharing it with other people? Yeah. So it, the container would be shared with other people. Um, that's something the carrier completely coordinates on their end. Okay. Um, I was really scared of it at first, really. Um, I wanted my own container. I wanted it to be locked shut with my name on it. Um, but after I've done several LCL shipments and I talked with my carrier asking like, is it very typical for like cartons to get lost in LCL since it's getting so like intermingled with Mm. other people's cartons? And and um, they assured me it wasn't. They said, you know, it's it's pretty typical. Uh, it happens all. It's it, uh, you know, we don't we haven't ran into cases where they get lost. Um, you know, the process is happening every day. Gotcha. Um, I wouldn't worry too much about it. So okay. I'd say it's a great way to test the waters of sea shipping. Well, I was going to say that way you don't have to fill a full container because the scary part of of the whole thing. Well, there's a lot of different things that could be scary, but one of them is just ordering that much at once, right? Right. That's number one. You're like, wow, I mean, I got to fill this container. So that's going to be a lot of money. And then to get all that inventory, then to say, I got to make sure it gets here safely. And then, you know, thirdly, I got to make sure that it gets into Amazon and it's everything that I said or everything that I was hoping that it was going to be. Exactly. So yeah, there's those things. So like you said, maybe to test it small is to do just a small order, smaller order that you can share a container with, but then go through that entire process. Exactly. Yeah, I love it. I love that. Um, That's been, I think this whole interview has been really, really helpful. And I think that the listeners have been wanting this. Um, They've been, a lot of people have been emailing me about this and I really am not the expert at it. Like I said, I mean, I'm personally not doing this currently. Um, It's something that I'm definitely, definitely going to be considering. And I've actually been talking about in 2016, um, adding this uh, to part of our process, but uh, yeah, definitely been helpful. And I really appreciate you coming on and, and doing this, Derek. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to give back to the community. Yeah. Awesome. So what I'll do is when we link this up, I will, uh, you know, I'll put everything in the show notes that, that you had said and all of that. And then also what I'll do is I'll let you know when this goes live. And then that, that way, if anybody has any questions, maybe you can comment there on the blog. That sounds excellent. That would be awesome. All right, Derek. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. Good luck to you. I know you're, you're, you're out there crushing it yourself over what we didn't even say that. How, I mean, you're over like $500,000 in revenue right now. Yep. Yep. We just passed the half a million mark last week. So just over a year in business. That is amazing. That is awesome. And uh, congratulations. And I'm sure uh, the next time that we're speaking on this podcast, I'll probably have you back and 
probably be when you cross the million. So uh, I hope so. That won't be too far off. I can tell you're you're a go getter and you're ordering a lot of units. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So you just well, that gotta... sounds that sounds great, Scott. All right, Derek. Well, once again, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And uh, hey, good luck to you. Thanks. You too. Okay, so there you have it. Another great interview. I know I learned a lot about sea shipping now. I think I have a little bit of a better understanding. I'm not as scared about it, but you did hear me bring up a lot of the the thoughts that I have, and I know a lot of you probably have as well. So there is a time when it's re- when you're ready to actually make that leap right into the sea shipping. I mean, it is a whole nother ball game as far as the process, a little bit longer lead times and all of that stuff. But I want to thank Derek again once more for really revealing the entire process step by step. So I think that was really, really helpful. And one last little reminder again, as I said in the beginning, if you guys have not attended one of my free live workshops where I take you through the entire process that I used and a lot of people that I know are using to launch a product, you can still register for an upcoming one. Head over to theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. Once again, the link is theamazingseller.com forward slash workshop. I would love to see you on that upcoming workshop. All right, so that's it. That's going to wrap it up. Remember, guys, I'm here for you. I believe in you. I'm rooting for you, but you have to. You have to. Come on, say it with me. Say it loud. Say it proud. Take action. Have an awesome day. I'll see you in the next episode.